I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the tr fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Arbor Day, a day that was set aside in order to be a tree-planting holiday, was began in 1872, an awareness that we needed more trees to be planted. And then we had came along and there was a campaign in the 1960s called Do Not Be a Litter Bug. You remember? You've heard about that. Yeah. Do not, don't be a litter bug. And that came from the fact, it actually was a campaign that began 10 years earlier, but that slogan took hold. And that was about the time that we began to have drive-through food ordering where you could drive through. And so once that began, especially then, we had people who would drive along having gone through the drive-through for a meal and out would go their sacks of, of food and leftover food and they would discard the paper and empty cups would go out the window. And so our roads were lined with trash and litter. And so the campaign began. It's changed things. For the most part, you don't see anybody heave their fast food bag out the window anymore. Partly because there's a lot of signs around that say there's so much of a fine for throwing out trash, right? Then we had Earth Day in the 1970s. And this came about, it was established because... Millions of people in the United States marched for a healthy and sustainable environment. And so the establishment of Earth Day. And then, just in the last couple weeks, September 20th through the 27th, we had uh, the march of primarily students from around the world and it was the global climate strike, is what it was referred to as. And the global climate strike took place, again, just in the last few days, around the world, 150 different countries, 45,000 different locations, up to 6 million, they believe it was even more than that, 6 million primarily students, and it was a movement for awareness that we need to do better. We need to improve how we treat our environment and take care of it. It was all began by Greta Thornburg, who is a 16-year-old from Switzerland, who took a stand in her town, took a stand in her country, and went worldwide to make a change. Now, all this is just to say we have long been aware of the fact that we need to improve how we behave with the environment. That we need to make changes. There's been protests. I tried to find a list of all the different uh, protests or programs that have come along, and it was just endless over the years from the 1800s until today, and it ranges anywhere from animal rights, 
to wilderness preservation to anti-nuclear weapon development. And a whole range of different, different things that it has addressed. Our, one of our primary concerns now is the discarding of plastics. I was, uh, one article that I read, it was very interesting. There was a scientist that said, I, I made a vow that I would not use plastics for 24 hours. She said, I realized in the first 10 minutes that's not possible. I couldn't even go into the refrigerator and get anything to eat. It just could, she just couldn't find a way to make that happen. And she said, so I decided instead to log all the different plastics that I used the entire day, from at work to at home to in the bathroom, wherever she happened to be. And the list was long. Discarding our plastics has become a huge, a huge problem. If we continue at the rate that we are going in 2050, it's projected that there will be more plastic in the ocean than there are fish. That's a problem. But there is hope. One is that we change our behavior, but there's hope of correcting where we are right now. A glimmer of hope was offered by a young woman named Morgan Vogue, who a year ago announced that she and another scientist had discovered a bacteria that was natural in our environment that would eat plastic. And there's a lot of scientific jargon that goes along with that. But they're trying to work on a way to uh, put the bacteria that already exists, it's not a manufactured anything, it's a natural bacteria in our environment that kind of likes plastic. And so they're trying to work on a way, and people <laughs> some of the opponents said, oh, don't do that. What, what, how are we ever going to preserve anything if they start eating all our plastic? <laughs> they're already here, and that's not a problem. The bacteria that do this are already all around us, anyway. They're just going to funnel and focus some of it toward an accumulation of plastic that we have, that we've already discarded. A glimmer of hope. Nature gives us those glimmers of hope. I mean, here we have this bacteria. One of the other glimmers of hope in the midst of total destruction was a tree, a pear tree. And you may have heard about this tree. It was called the survivor tree. And it was a part of, it was planted right in front of the Twin Towers when the 9-11 took place and the towers fell. It was a month after the destruction of the towers that those who were going through the rubble discovered that there was a tree, charred and crushed. The tree was still alive. The only thing living, the 
came out of that destruction. And they very carefully uncovered and then removed the tree from the destruction because they had to clean up. It has now been replanted at the monument. But the tree survived. And you can see its scars. You can see where it was just charred almost to the core. And yet it has new growth and it blooms once again. Nature shows us that it will recover. It is a survivor. It gives us a testimony to resilience and strength, renewal and recovery. Nature can also give us a glimpse of how I believe God intended us to coexist. This happened Wednesday. It happened in Pulaski, Virginia. And in Pulaski, Virginia, there evidently is a park that has a a trail that you can walk through. The trail is actually a paved trail, from what I researched. A lady named Tia Powell was taking a walk through the park. And as she was walking along, she felt a tug on her pant leg. When she looked down, it was a squirrel. (laughs) Now, for most of us, if we got a tug on our pant leg by a squirrel, we think rabies, right? (laughs) Run! But this little squirrel tugged on her pant leg, got her attention and then tried to lead her, walked a few feet away, and turned around and waited. Well, Tia said, initially, I thought, I don't think this looks very natural. And so she started to walk on, and the squirrel followed her. And so she decided to pay attention, and when she turned, the squirrel would walk a few feet and wait on her and walk a few more feet and wait. And this went on back up the trail, and there, just off to the side of the trail, the mother squirrel was taking Tia to her baby. Her baby who had been mauled, obviously, by a cat. The baby was too injured for the mother to help it get to safety. The mother squirrel was asking her to help her baby. Again, another brave moment on Tia's part. She lifted the baby squirrel. Now, I don't know if any of you know about wild animals, wild squirrels. They tend to bite. Neither the mother nor the baby bit her. She carried the squirrel the baby squirrel to where the mother led her to a tree. And there she laid the baby squirrel at the base of the tree and the mother encouraged it to climb up to safety. Nature gives us an example of how God intended for us to coexist. There are glimmers of hope in our midst. 
But what does all this have to do with the Bible? What does all this have to do with what we are beginning our series today on stewardship? First of all, in the New Testament, throughout Scripture, when it talks about the Messiah, nature and creation are used frequently. In the book of John alone, Jesus refers to himself as the bread or the grain, the bread, the light, the life, the lamb, the living water that we have so beautifully set up before us. The vine, he refers to himself as being reflected in nature. Throughout other scripture, throughout the Bible, both Old and New Testament, the Messiah, Jesus, is is talked about in terms of the branch, the lion, the morning star, the root, the rock, the rose, the seed. All images of God's creation, which we hear about in our scripture this morning. In Genesis, as we begin our story with God, God creates everything that is. And God created everything that is before God created us. And in each phase of creation, as each section, each part of what God was going to create, he paused. He paused to appreciate it, to celebrate it, to care for it, and said, it is good. And then God created us. We were created in God's image. And we were created to be co-caregivers with God. Co-workers with God. Doing God's work in the world. We were to be God's stewards. That's why... If you read closely, that's why we were created to be co-workers with God. To continue God's work here on earth. Now, a steward, a word we kind of gloss over these days. But a steward, the work of a steward is called stewardship. And to be a steward means that we are a manager. That we are to manage something that does not belong to us, but we are to watch over it. We are to care for it. We are to be a part of it. So we are to manage what God owns. And that's an important difference. It was part of our prayer this morning during the prayer of dedication that we are the managers, God is the owner. And you know, that's a business concept. If you were running a business 
and you were the owner of the business, you would want managers to work under you who were like-minded, who would carry out what you had started and carry it out the same way you would carry it out. That's what a manager does. That's who we were created to be. God's managers. God's stewards. To continue on the work that God began here. Now, stewardship, often we think of money. So, you know, where in this story is there money, Pastor? Well, money is only one part of it. Stewardship is about our entire life. The purpose for why we are here. Creation is a part of it, the trees. Creation is a part of that. We're also going to talk about our time, our talents. And the children are going to help us talk about our talents on the October 13th. And we'll talk about time, talents, and treasures. Every aspect of our life, we have been gifted. And we are to manage. By the fact that we are gifted it means we don't own it. We are the managers of it. Of all that we have, all that we are. So as we move through and kind of begin to understand what a steward is and what we are called to do and be for God, there's one other piece that is important to hear in this. When God created humans, God didn't create some humans to be stewards and some to not. Or God didn't say, okay, you need to be so old before you can be a steward. Or you are too old to be a steward anymore. Stewardship, to be a steward for God, the creation purpose is for all ages, young and old and all in between. It's for people who are Rich and poor, important or invisible. For all, church and unchurched, we are all called throughout our entire life to be stewards, to be managers of what God has gifted to us. Whether it's Creation, time, talent, or treasures. So how do we do that? Well, first, if we're talking about creation, do little things. Let me give you a real practical example. Just in that vision, just pretend before you had a car and you had just gotten your driver's license and your grandfather decided that he wanted to gift you with a car 
And so he bought you a used car, but he invested time and energy and talent into just making it a beautiful car. It ran perfectly. It was beautiful inside and out. And the first time that you drive it, and you drive it back to visit your grandfather, and he peeks in the car inside, it is filled top to bottom with fast food sacks and debris, wadded up paper, empty glasses and bottles and wrappers of all shapes and sizes. It's a moving trash can. And his heart sinks a little bit. And then the next trip he asks, well, um, have you gotten the oil changed recently? No. Have you checked the tires? No, they're rolling. Doing the little things in our life is a beginning to making a big difference. Another thing that I might ask you to contemplate is something called environmental tithing. Tithing is a term that we talk about around stewardship time because it's associated with the gifts of resources that we have, the money that we have, and God has called us to give 10% of that. But when we talk about environmental tithing, if we're concerned about plastic and there's just no way we can give it all up, so why bother? right? Environmental tithing is giving up 10% of the plastic we use right now. Giving up 10% of the electricity or the water that we're using. Giving up 10% of automobile travel and asking for a ride with somebody else. Carpooling occasionally. Giving up 10% of those things that we practice regularly in our lives, in our day-to-day, that are harmful to the environment if they're left unchanged. We can make a change, a gradual change, and 10% is where to begin. I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment to share in a steward's response. And after we do that, we're going to sing a song called Freely, Freely. It happens to be one of my favorites. But the message in it is very appropriate. It comes from Matthew 10, and and, uh, the composer and the author of the words, uh, Carol Owen, was asked, what is the point of church. Why is the church even important? And she went to Matthew 10, and one particular translation of Matthew 10 says, Freely you have received. Freely give. 
And that is going to be kind of our anthem for today in stewardship, of being stewards of God. Freely we have received. Freely we can give. Giving back to God, giving to one another. <laughs>